0: i made a meme it's a jurassic park where samuel L. jackson's is sitting in front of the computer and everybody's huddled up behind them and he says i'm gonna have to go through one of these clauses one by one and then dr Sattler's like well how many clauses out there he's like about two million <laughs> so there's just so many clauses right so they don't yeah i don't pick up the fact that they have to you know that they have to do this um yeah. I think most contractors are just excited that they want a contract, they get to perform the work, and they don't take the costs of cybersecurity into account when they do their budgeting. And right, therein lies the problem.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Paramify podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Scott. And once again, we're going to talk about InfoSec in cybersecurity. Today, we're excited to welcome... A true expert in the field of cybersecurity, Fernando Machado, he is the managing principal and CISO at CyberSec Investments LLC an authorized third-party assessment organization, C3POW, for CMMC, which is the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. We're gonna get into that. His experience spans over two decades with key roles in companies like L3Ares Technologies, sorry, and Raytheon uh, served in the army uh, and uh, Fernando is the author of CMMC Simplified, uh, which is a most excellent resource for understanding the complexities of the cybersecurity maturity model certification. Um, so Fernando is going to join us to, to talk about his invaluable insights on CMMC 2.0 and the nuances there. And I'm excited to get started here to learn from one of the industry's best. Uh, Fernando, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, thank you for having me. Yep. So, how did you get started in cybersecurity? Just take take us back and walk us through that. So, uh,
0: I first started uh, when after I got out of the army, I did a lot of security contracting work, uh, physical security contracting work. Um, I went to I went to Kuwait. Uh, I did six months uh, worth of contracting work there. I tried my hand uh, a little bit in law enforcement. Uh, It wasn't for me. And I went to go work for Raytheon as a security officer there. And while I was there, I noticed there was a lot of downtime. So I decided to go back to school and pursue uh, my degree in cybersecurity. Uh, I did that. And once I graduated, I was given an opportunity uh, with a company called STG. I think they're, they're another name now but that was essentially a department of the army contractor uh stationed over at Fort Huachuca uh, Arizona and I, that's where i got my start i was an it security analyst and i had just came in uh during the tail end of the uh it was just before uh the rmf framework so it was the i i can't even think of the name ever right now cuz it's been so long <laughs> um uh, dia cap That's what it was, was the the DICAP framework. So I was coming in at the very tail end of the DICAP framework and then transitioning over into RMF. Uh, And then, right, you know, years go by and then, right, I go right back to Raytheon to go work for them. Um, And then I then took a position uh, here in Florida with uh, L3 Harris. And then CMMC started to come around. I started hearing chatter about it in about, you know, middle of 2019. Uh, And as the NDAA was getting signed, I started noticing that they were putting the CMMC accreditation body at the time. And I reached out to one of the board members there and asked them if I could be part of the industry working groups. And so I was fortunate enough to be one of the first ones to join that working group. And our job was to learn all of the tailoring criteria and basically create language that would eventually make it into the CMMC 1.0 assessment guide. Uh, And then we were. I was one of the first provisional assessors. Uh, the first five are res- were reserved for the CMMC accreditation body board members. I was number eight. Uh, and so, you know, some time goes on. I decided to go be- uh, pursue to become uh, a C3PAO. And we got authorized last July or August of last year of, of 2022. I have to make sure I say that now because it's not last year anymore. Uh, uh, July or August of 2022. So we were the 29th C3 PAO. I think we're currently up to 50. Um, and then
1: here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are, man. There's it's CMMC really has, uh, come into the fore. Finally. It's been quite anticlimactic, right? <laughs> the, you said 2019, right? We've been hearing it for a long time, but finally, you know, uh, th- there's a, you It's it's live now, right? That it's going to happen, right? At this point, so um, in your view, Fernando, uh, what are some of the most significant changes in CMMC 2.0 that um, you think organizations need to be aware of? Right. So, yeah, the differences
0: between CMMC 1.0 and 2.0 are as follows. So, under 1.0, we had the five levels of CMMC. Under 2.0, they've compressed it down to three levels. Uh, under 1.0, contractors that were handling federal contract information would have to get assessed by a third party. Under 2.0, that's not the case anymore. They're going to allow a self-certification with an annual affirmation to, uh, to make sure that companies are still meeting compliance. Uh, and under 2.0, also... Uh, contractors that are handling CUI are going to either get allowed to be assessed either a self-assessment or they're going to have to get a third-party certification. However, we don't know which contracts are going to be allowed to self-assess or which ones are going to require level two cert. So it's kind of like you're rolling the dice if you think you're going to just wait on the sidelines and think that you're going to get a self-assessment. So the recommendation that we make is if you can and you're ready to go, go get your CMMC certification once the rule is finalized.
1: Yeah, and we expect that once the rule, when, when do we expect that to be finalized, that rule? Yeah, DOD has said many
0: times that they're expecting a fall of this year. So fall of 2024, when they expect mm-hmm. the rule to be final. Uh, the rule was published as a proposed rule on December 26th. Right. So the day after Christmas, right? Good old government. It's the government way. Uh, <laughs> so they published Christmas. it on the 26th. And uh, in the rule, they have a phased approach. So phase one begins immediately after the revision to DFAR 7021, which is the CMMC clause, which says, hey, go get a third-party cert. Then uh, phase two is six months after that. Phase three is one year after that. And then by the time we hit phase four, CMMC language will be in all solicitations and contracts.
1: And so they're yeah. expecting that rollout to be about 2 years. Yep. Huge. Yep. So, um uh my my world, I, I talk a lot about FedRAMP and um they're kind of uh they're close together and the new CMMC rule talks about uh the FedRAMP equivalency. Um uh that an organization seeking authorization meets equivalency when it possesses uh, a CSP's SSP aligned to FedRAMP moderate. Uh, do you, you? What are your thoughts on this? Do you think this is going to drive more companies to pursue FedRAMP authorization? Like, if any, you know, I'm
0: not sure. I mean, there's a couple of companies that are out there right now that are providing cloud services. What, one of the things that I want to make sure that I make the distinction here is that there is. There is this idea that everything that you use that's a cloud service provider has to be FedRAMP moderate, and that is not the case. The FedRAMP moderate requirement only applies if you're going to be processing, storing, or transmitting CUI using that external cloud service provider. So you can use security protection tools that are not going to be processing, storing, or transmitting CUI, and it does not have to be FedRAMP. But if you're going to be processing string and transmitting CUI, then the cloud service provider has to be FedRAMP. So we want to make sure that we understand that that mm-hmm. distinction between the two of
1: them. Got it. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. That makes sense. Okay. All right, man. Well, oh, this is awesome. So for, for CMMC level one organizations who are only managing FCI, so federal contract information, because uh, creating an SSP to document the scope and requirement implementation is optional do you see them having an advantage when bidding over their competitors if they do create ssps i don't know if that's that's really clear i was just kind of going through i wrote it earlier and i'm just like wait so a
0: so for for level one for fci there is no requirement for a system security plan Mm -hmm. okay so yeah for level two however 3.12.4 3.12.4 is
1: the system security plan requirement, but that doesn't exist in level one. Got it. Got it. <clears throat> okay, so, all right. So, organizations have to enter their affirmations electronically in the SPRS. What is that? The Supplier Performance Risk supplier System. Supplier Performance Risk System. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they need to declare successful implementation and maintenance of applicable CMMC requirements. So what are the guidelines in place to ensure that those affirmations are actually true, right? Besides. So, right. So the CMMC level 1 is aligned
0: with the FAR 52.204-21 clause. So if you pull up that clause, there's 15 controls there that a contractor has to do to protect federal contract information. And if you look at the CMMC level 1 self-assessment guide, there are 17 controls that are aligned to that that were pulled from the NIST 800-171 document. So it's, it's kind of like they're playing on both sides of the fence here. But if you apply the level one self-assessment guide, it'll cover the 15 requirements in FAR 52. Uh, one of the things that I read in the rule though that kind of makes it difficult for contractors is the DOD is not going to allow POAMs at all. So all 17 requirements have to be implemented.
1: Oh, okay. That is interesting. No poems. Okay. Huh. Okay. So for another thing, right? So like gap analysis, like for, for smaller or less mature companies um, needing CMMC. So what is your estimates as to their readiness to comply with those standards? Is, is it, is it going to be really costly for them? Is Is it going to be a burden for a lot of these companies or is it maybe, maybe we're overthinking some of this? Yeah. So one of the things that I think that a lot of contractors out there make the biggest
0: mistake on is they think that CMMC is an implementation program. And in one of the comments made by the DOD, or excuse me, one of the comments made by the public and the DOD responded, they responded to this comment in 2020 under CMMC 1.0 and they responded to it again here in the 2023 rule. And so a lot of contractors are asking for money for implementation and the DOD says, listen, the rule is like the the cost associated with implementing FAR 52 or NIS 800-171 is not attributed to this rule. If you've already had one of those contracts with those clauses, you should have already incurred those costs. All CMMC is, it is a third party validation
1: of those requirements. Got it. Yeah. So before they've already they've already signed up to do the controls, right? In in 171 right? They, they, they need to do those things, and and honestly, they they are just good clean living. They're they're not they're not really crazy. It's like actually, you should authorize access, and you should authorize changes, and you should manage the configuration, and yeah, actually, you should control your networks, and now. They're they're saying yeah 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 whatever 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 and they do the business anyways and they're like no now we're actually going to make sure that you're doing it so um, yeah this is this has been a long time coming
0: right um if you look at I mean just go back to to uh, to like 2019 right when uh, the DoD Inspector General did a report they went out there and they decided to assess nine contractors that were handling CUI and the two criteria was that one that they were handling CUI and two that they had at least a million dollars or more worth in contracts and what they discovered that all nine contractors failed they were telling the DOD that they were implementing these things and for the most part they weren't implementing it so That eventually led to the NDAA fiscal year 20, which I think section 1648 says, hey, we're going to establish a third-party certification program. And in January, the CMMC accreditation body was born and that wheel started to roll. A lot of people, uh, another thing too, is like they have to understand, well, what's taken so long? You're looking at the speed of government, right? If, if you've been in the military like I have, there's an old saying, hurry up and wait, right? Mm-hmm. And everything moves extremely slowly and now we're starting to see the rule getting published, and this is after many years of changes and you know wordsmithing and just making sure that everything is right. But is this is very many years in the making?
1: Yeah, super critical. What? Um, do you, I mean? I always I don't want to inject like I'm trying not to like inject my bias in here. Um, in your view, you've been doing this for a long time, helping companies. You know, implement security, or I guess just validate that they have security in place already. Um, What do you find are the main drivers to why they don't have like simple things in place in the first place? Is it they don't know, or is it just like, oh, I guess I have to do it now? I think in the past, um, having worked with
0: several contractors, either they don't read the the you know the long list of clauses that they get um i made i made a meme it's a jurassic park where samuel Jackson is sitting in front of the computer and everybody's huddled up behind him. and he says i'm gonna have to go through one of these clauses one by one and then dr Sattler's like well how many clauses out there he's like about two million <laughs> so there's just so many clauses right so they don't i yeah. don't pick up the fact that they have to you know that they have to do this um yep. I think most contractors are just excited that they want a contract, they get to perform the work, and they don't take the costs of cybersecurity into account when they do their budgeting. Yeah. And right, therein lies the problem.
1: Yeah. In your view, do you feel like it really is two million things or you know, like how do these things get so cumbersome and huge? Right. right? You know, versus like, cause at the end of the day, like most of my companies that I'm that I'm dealing with. Even if there are over a thousand requirements in a given standard, they're not doing a thousand different things, implementing a thousand different components. They're just making sure that the components and the capabilities that they have in place, that those are getting adopted by everybody. And so I think they get so uh, overwhelmed by just the sheer amount of documents and the sheer amount of requirements. It gets so hard. And so they don't really know what to do. And they're just like, I don't know. There's no way. I'm going to finish reading reading all this and so that's probably the advantage of working with you know there's no substitute for experience and so if you're working with it, someone who's been there you're going to help them just kind of get it all put together just like you know back before TurboTax, we wouldn't we wouldn't even venture to do our taxes ourselves we would that's really not, hire a higher cpa or something like that right. yeah yeah Okay. So, okay, so we talked a little bit about it, right? So they they should have already been doing this, but that being said, how do you see the cost breaking down for for small SMBs and then talk about SMBs and then maybe uh enterprise organizations So, one of the things that we we tell people um I I am known to be brutally
0: honest, so I'm going to be I brutally honest here. Let's do it. Well, it's about, one of the things that I'm going to say is if you have done, if you're a contractor and you're handling CUI and you have done absolutely nothing, you haven't implemented anything, haven't done anything at all, from start to finish, to include your certification costs, be be expecting to spend about 100k, okay. like total. Um, and typically, when I throw that number out there, like their eyes get wide, and I said, "Well, you have to write policies and procedures, right? That takes time and money. Are you going to hire somebody, or are you're going to have?" Uh, are you gonna hire like a third party to write your documentation or are you gonna hire somebody internally to do it? Either way, you're spending money on either that employee's salary or this contractor's hourly rate. Then it's gonna be purchasing uh, compliant products and services, right? So are you gonna go the on-prem route? So you have to purchase servers. Are you gonna go the cloud route? You know, you know, do that. Um, are you gonna allow printing, right? So now that adds a level of complexity to it. Putting locks on your doors, Um, just all these different things. And then when you finally get to your certification cost, that is all going to be dependent on where you're at in line. Um, there's 80,000 contractors that they're identifying. There's only 50 of us, right? So depending on how quickly you get your stuff done and get to the front of the line, that will ensure that you have a lower cost for your assessment. Uh, Assessments are, right? There's a couple of C3 PAOs out there that are saying they'll start off at like 32,000. And then, right, it goes up from there depending on the size of the firm, uh, the level of experience, right? The market forces, how much availability do they have? So, right, the sooner you get started, the better because when that rule comes out, that phase one, it's, it's pretty much going into effect right away.
1: Got it, got it. Okay, so, man... I'm kinda yeah that that's a that's this can be pretty crazy, okay, so what what are um um okay, so the common challenges so you mentioned like door locks, locks on doors, are you allowing printing uh what are the common challenges you're seeing um with organizations implementing the standards and and how do you see them over you know effectively overcome these hurdles? yeah, so there is a great tool by the
0: DOD, uh, by the DCMA, DIPCAC. So it's the Defense Contract Management Agency. DIPCAC stands for the Defense Industrial-Based Cybersecurity Assessment Center. So these are the these are the government auditors that go out there and they perform the NIST 800 171 slash dfar 712 assessments. Yeah. And they actually created, I want to say at this point, it's probably about a year and a half ago, they have a list of the top 10 controls that contractors fail. And number one, if you've been dealing in the space, everybody should know it, is the FIPS Validated Cryptography. Uh, FIPS mode. Nope. Yeah, FIPS mode. (laughs) Number two was multi-factor authentication, right? A lot of companies are just not implementing MFA. Uh, So that, from a technical standpoint, that's the challenge. On the administrative front is sometimes we'll see policies that are just not, they're still in draft. Uh, Policies are incomplete. Uh, there's no procedures. There's absolutely no documentation whatsoever. That is the biggest lift because it's one thing to implement all this stuff on a technical standpoint, but then to actually document it to show the assessor we are doing what we say we're
1: doing. Yeah. And that's and why do you think that's like so important? Because like, I think a lot of people just think it's just documentation. Who cares? Right. It's like, yeah. But why, why do you think that's so important? it's to prove that
0: you're doing what you say you're doing yeah that's literally what the documentation is for and because i think what a lot of companies don't understand and why it's so expensive is you are creating an information security program from the ground up once you have it up and running it's easy to maintain it's just getting it off the ground that's the
1: most challenging part yeah yep 100 percent. okay um in what ways does CMMC certification benefit organizations beyond compliance? Like uh, particularly in terms of cybersecurity posture.
0: Like how
1: how will it benefit it, a company besides yeah. besides CMMC? Yeah, besides CMMC, what in what ways do you do you see it benefiting a company? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so a lot of these companies are dealing with proprietary information, their secret sauce is kind of what's kept them in business for the last 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. The good thing about the CMMC program is like, not only can you protect the government's data, you can protect your own by implementing, like you've already implemented the framework. You just apply it. What I like about the NIST 800-171 framework, it has a little bit of everything. It's core, it's to protect the confidentiality of data. So you want to protect it from unauthorized disclosure? Well, what better information aside from the government's than your own personal secret sauce that's kept you in business this entire time? So, yes, it sucks that you have to do it to protect the government's data, but look at it as a business differentiator and protecting your own self.
1: Yeah, yeah, got it. And um, so you've been you've been over twenty years now um, doing doing something, whether it was like in the army or in security, right? So, um, and your path is is different, right? All of our paths are different to cyber. Um, what is your advice you're giving to younger professionals that are just wanting to get into cybersecurity? So one of the best pieces of advice that I can give them, uh,
0: unfortunately, like if you look at a lot of the jobs that are out there, even for entry level, they all require a bachelor's degree. In something, whether it's going to be in cybersecurity, whether it's going to be in information technology, something that's going to be computer related is is going to be that that barrier to entry. The next thing that I recommend is if you're going to be in the cybersecurity field, I personally think the Security Plus is a very good foundational security cert for entry-level professionals that are coming in. And you can do that in tandem. A lot of the stuff that you will learn in college will kind of carry over. Uh, security plus does a very good job at kind of teaching you the fundamentals of what being a cyber cybersecurity professional will be and then right you start working your way up the ladder into things like you know the cism uh and then eventually you want to get to the gold standard which is the cissp
1: yeah man i remember i i i gotta make sure that that doesn't lapse for me i keep <laughs> going out and like it's been a while since i got I, that I, but i keep anyway. a very heavy eye on it um <laughs> My, uh, my three
0: years, my three years just came up, I believe in November. Um, and so they're like, now, Hey, you have another three years to kind of get your, your, um, your 120 continuing education credits. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start like, uh, January 1st and start like knocking out these like continuing education credits and go to like these different conferences and stuff to make sure it doesn't lapse. Cause that yeah. was a brutal
1: exam. It is super brutal. However, when I took it, I I thought, hey man, I I love this. This is exciting, right? Because at that point, you really have to go full send to to pass that exam. Yeah, you can't just, uh, yeah. If you trivialize, you know, studying that, you're probably not going to have a good outcome unless you're some sort of crazy genius that already knows everything about network and you know the Orange Book or whatever it was. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I hope that they maybe they don't talk about the Orange Book now, but I remember that. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> about that but anyway um, well great um, I'm, I'm so glad Fernando that you came on uh, to tell us about CMMC this is this is great information uh, for cool. our listeners uh, tell us a little bit about how we find out more about cybersecurity investments and and we'll also provide a link to your book in this podcast but tell us a little bit about um, how we find out more about you and uh, how they can reach you
0: yeah So you can go on to uh, cybersecinvestments.com. Also, we have a YouTube channel. We're starting to uh, populate that. One of the things that we just recently added on there was the Joint Surveillance Voluntary Assessments. So what these are, it's basically a DFAR 7012 assessment that's conducted jointly with an authorized C3PAO and members of the DIPCAC team. And so what's supposed to happen is at the end of your assessment, the DIPCAC team will go into the contractor's SPRS record and update it to a DIPCAC high confidence assessment. And reading the rule, it says that if you pass that with a with no POAMs, a perfect 110, then you can get a CMMC level two final certification right out the gate once the CMMC is finalized. So you Whoa. can save yourself time from not having to stand in line and having to pay you know, higher costs on availability by going and getting assessed today
1: and it'll oh my convert gosh. once the rule is finalized later this year. Oh my gosh. Wow. That like, yeah. So we'll definitely, yeah. I feel like that that's a that's a crazy valuable resource. Awesome. And then you also got your book. So thanks. We'll we'll put that in there. So thanks for writing that awesome resource. I, I need to I need to finish it. It's even short, but yeah, I, I gotta finish yeah. it. Adam finished oh, I, it and he he ridiculed me for not reading it before. So but <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and uh of course, right? We're on uh LinkedIn as
0: well. Um, you know, That's connect right. with me on LinkedIn. I I, you know, connect with everybody. I try to make myself as available as possible. Um and right and our company page as well on LinkedIn.
1: Great. Great, man. Fernando, last question, man. Yes, sir. In the Lord of the Rings, fellowship. Who is who who's your who's the who's your favorite character in the fellowship? I'm probably gonna get spears thrown at me. I have never seen Lord of the Rings. Okay, that's all right. That's all <laughs> right. That's all right. Okay, we'll just say Legolas. All right. Sounds it's good. <laughs> all right. All right, Fernando, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you for coming on the show. And uh, thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, man, ciao.